Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Amen. Now let's go to the scripture. For those who said they know the scripture, let's go to the scripture. Second Kings chapter number six. You know, back then they used to write and sing songs that are very much biblical. Amen. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Say, this is too small for me. Say, my income is too small for me. It's too small for me. It's too small for me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Money is the answer. <laughs> it answers all things, some, someone once said. <laughs> Hey, nezagata ni tani mazalwan. Hey, ay ya. Nasanga busi segexen. Say this house is too small for me. This car is too small for me. Jesus, amen. <laughs> Say, it is too small for me. It is too small for me. Yes. Verse number two. Then it says, please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So let's find something comfortable. Let's build something you know, comfortable, something bigger, something that he is going to, that is, is going to be suitable. And then it says, so he answered, go. Verse three, then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. I will go. Verse four, so he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? Thank God he went with them and he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Speak to us. Our hearts are opened this morning. Help us to resharpen and to regain our edge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, God looks at our lives at, as an axe in his hand. God looks at us as an axe that he can use to do whatever it is that he wants to do in and through our lives. Amen. And we looked at how God always sharpens the edge of our axes and even the axe that we are in his hands. He wants us to be sharp as believers. And he gives us this edge. And we said last week, it can be the excellent spirit that we carry. It can be diligence. It can be grit. It can be effectiveness in our lives. And that is, that something, that little extra something that he puts upon us so that we cannot live dull lives. God gives you an edge in your life, an edge in your marriage, in your ministry, in your calling, in your business, so that you can do it not just as an ordinary thing, you know, but that you may be extraordinary in doing what God has called you to do. God does not want us to be average. God does not want us to be just ordinary people, but he wants us to be extraordinary people. We defined an edge as an advantage that makes us stronger or more likely to be successful than others. It's that something that God puts on you that sets you apart. It makes you unique. That even though you can be a business person uh, amongst others, but God sharpens you as a business person so that you can run a cutting-edge business. Are we together, Barcelona? And figuratively, the edge of an axe, again, speaks of a quality or a factor which gives us superiority over our close rivals. It is that intense, striking quality that makes you unique. And all of us, as we live our lives, we need to trust God. We need to trust God to be able to identify that edge and, and to avail ourselves before God so that God can truly sharpen us all the time. Amen. Imbazo ebutuntu causes more damage than good. Are we here? Are you ready for me? Amen. There's a lot that I'm going to say, and I hope you are ready to receive. Amen. Refuse to live 
an ordinary life. Know this. There is something that God has already deposited on the inside of you to make you an extraordinary person in all the areas of your life. It's just that sometimes we struggle to believe that, Bazalan. We struggle to believe that there is something great that God can call you to do. That's why sometimes we, we play it safe. We want to be within the parameters of a life that is safe, you know. Sifunukba uh, safe. We are afraid even to risk because we somehow think that we don't have what it takes. Now, when God gives you that edge, when God gives you that sharp edge in your life, it is important that you must use that sharp edge that God has given you. You need to make sure that you not just use it, but you also sharpen it from time to time because using that sharp edge that God has given you and constantly sharpening it is a display of wisdom in your life. It is a display of wisdom. And if you ignore that edge that God has given to you and you don't use it, it is the display of the opposite, which is foolishness. So, do not neglect what God has given you which resembles that sharp edge in your life. Use it. Engage it constantly, especially once you have identified it so that you can be successful in all the areas of your life. The Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 6, for that reason I want you to remember the gift that God gave you when I put my hands on you. And Paul says to Timothy, use that gift more and more. So once you see that there's something that God has given you, and it just causes you to be that person with that sharp edge, use it. Paul says more and more. Another translation, the NIV says, fan it into flames. Many of us, Barcelona, let's be honest. When God chooses to give us an endowment, let me call it that, something that you did not ask for, something that you did not pay for, something that you did not uh, go to the mountains to, to fast 40 days and 40 nights for, and God decides, that I'm going to give it to you for free. And other people will be begging for it. If you are like me, you know, I wish, I wish I could sing. But it's one of those things that I'm like, God. You know. But there are other people. That's why I love music so much. I love music. And thank God my daughter can sing. Like, so I can sing through her. That's why I love music. I love music. I listen to music 
Like nobody's business. Like I listen to any genre of music, believe you me. I listen to anything from jazz to, um, you, do you know Raga Muffin? Dance hall. I listen to dance hall. I listen to like all sorts, and my kids will tell you, I, made, I make them listen to everything, right? But there are other people that when I watch, when I watch them sing, when I watch them perform, it's like when they do this thing, it's so easy. Like they just open their mouths and they just sing. And you're like, wow. <laughs> Some of us, you have to think first. <laughs> you have to consider. <laughs> but there are other people that when they function in what God has given them an edge on, let me tell you, they just flow like hot knife through butter. That's why I'm saying, Barcelona, when God decides, I am going to gift you. Paul advises Timothy, don't neglect that gift, he says, but use it more and more. Because the more you use it, number one, the more sharper it will get. Right? And I will show you the other side of it. But make sure that you are not going to sit, to let us not be like those unfaithful stewards who decided to bury the gift. You know, many of us, Bazalwane, we, we have the mentality that if, and, and, and here's, here's what the Bible says about what God uh, uh, gives you as a gift. He says, use it to serve one another, right? And, and many of us, once we realize that we are gifted in one area, what's the first instinct that we have? We want to hide it. We want to protect the gift. But what will make the gift, or even let's call it that sharp edge that you have, what will make it more dangerous, what will make it more effective is for you to use it more and more. That's what the scripture says. So then that's why even in 1 Timothy 4.14, it is also the same thing that Paul says. He says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect it. Because this is the sharp edge that God has given you so that you can use it to build something bigger than what you have. Increase in your income is in the sharp edge that, you, that God has given you. Promotion is in the sharp edge that God has given you. Sekaye manjo u u u amen lawyer. Lea volume ya sekalin. Ecclesiastes ten verse ten. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, in other words, and one does not cultivate the gift does not exercise the gift, does not use the gift. It says then he must use more strength. There are many things I believe as is chulugisayo simply because we are neglecting the sharp edge that God has given us. But then it says then he must use more strength but wisdom brings success. So if you choose not to use your God-given edge, you will fall back to using natural strength. And what a difficult thing it is. The Bible says, for by strength no man shall prevail. Uzokatala at some point. 
And some of us, it's not that we are not gifted. We are gifted. But we have allowed the sharp edges of our gifts to grow dull. And that's why sometimes we have to use more strength. We have to sweat. to sweat with the gift that God has given you. I, I have um, um, a friend who is gifted prophetically. Like that guy is, you can wake him up, wake him up and say, you know, share a prophetic word. That says the Lord. <laughs> it's almost his second nature. And some of us, you need 40 days and 40 nights in the mountains just to get one sentence <laughs> of a prophetic word, right? But when God has given you something, he has given it to you and all that you need to do it to do is just to make sure that you cultivate it. And once you fall back on your, on, on your natural strength, Bazalan, it, it, it will be difficult to succeed in that space. But we need God to give us wisdom so that we can be wise in knowing what is it, Lord, that I need to do in order for me to keep my edge sharp. In order for me to make sure that the edge of my gift does not grow dull. And the Bible is full of wisdom. As a matter of fact, the Bible, you know, tells us that the wisdom of God is found in the scriptures. And the Bible is full of so many different principles that you and I, we are supposed to make sure that we know them. And those principles are going to help us to sharpen our edges all the time. I am intentional. I want this thing to sink in. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm very serious. I, I want you to be stressed. Just to process this thing. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I just want to go and process this thing. It's just too heavy. Yeah, this shame. But next year, we'll pray to God and ask him to give us something nicer. This year has been heavy, eh? Bongan? <laughs> this year has been heavy. <laughs> the way that the Lord has been speaking to us, it's a sign that 2023 is going to be a very dangerous year when God works on us like this. So we need the wisdom of God. We need to, when we read the scriptures, we need to look out for principles that God leaves behind intentionally, deliberately for us to help us apply these things so that we can keep the edges of our gifts, the edges of our marriages, the edges of our calling, so that we can keep them sharp away together. And here's the thing, Bazalwan. When you use the sharp edge that God has given to you, here's what we see from 2 Kings chapter number 6. You will definitely build and you will definitely expand. You are going to grow. God is going to give you something greater or something bigger. But when you choose to lose the edge, you are going to shrink. As a matter of fact, you are even going to 
lose the very little things that God has afforded you to have. So these guys are saying the place where we are in is too small for us. And for many of us from time to time, there comes a time where you realize that, you know what? I think where I am is no longer enough. Have you ever been in that space where you realize that, you know what? Uh, I don't. And, and here's the trick about it. Here's the trick about it. <laughs> this is, yeah, no, this is a very sad thing. It's sad. It's, it's truly sad. And we love this scripture. It says, promotion does not come from the east or from the west. Ne? It says it comes from where? From above, from God in other words. And we have the impression to think that because it comes from God, God is just going to simply give it to for, for free. This promotion sits in the hands of the most dangerous person. Because he is the one who knows whether you qualify for that promotion or not. So sometimes we quote that scripture, we get excited. Oh Lord, promotion does not come from the east or from the west. Oh, but promotion comes from above. In other words, Lord, even if at work they can think I don't qualify for the promotion, you Lord, you will give me. And God is sitting in heaven, is, is like, but your edge is dull. How do you expect me to give promotion? How do you expect me to expand you, to give you more responsibility if you cannot even use the little that you have at the most? Sometimes we just want promotion and increase just for the sake of having promotion and, and, and increase. Simply because, simply because we have cultivated <laughs> or we have increased our needs. And we, we just expect God to come down and meet our needs. So if you use the sharp, let me tell it's not going to be a struggle to grow, to expand, to increase. It's not going to be a struggle. If you will just choose to keep the edge of your calling, ministry, whatever it is that God has given you in your life. If you just decide, number one, I'm not going to allow for it to be dull or to go dull or to be blunt, if I may put it like that. Two, I'm not going to be... Um, careless to a point of losing it. I'm going to maintain it because the more I use it, it is the more it allows me to build my life, to expand, to bring growth and increase. And therefore, even the sky is not going to be a limit in your life. So in other words, if you lose your sharp edge or you are going to fail to resharpen it, you are delaying your own growth. You are delaying your own expansion. Instead, you are going to shrink. You are going to become smaller. As much as you are saying, this place where I'm at is too small for me. Guess what? You are going to be smaller. In other words, in 2023, if you are expecting growth, expansion, you are going to be even much more smaller until you learn to use effectively what God has put in your hands. Amen. But here's the twist to it, Bazalwan. Again, using your sharp edge also 
And, and when you use it, it means you are fulfilling your calling. It means you are using your gift. It means you are, you are being a good husband. You are being a good wife. It means you are being a good business person, good employee. It means you are just doing it. But doing so at the same time <laughs> exposes you to the risk of losing your edge. Imbazo. I even tuned to about our seven zis. None of my seven zis. So it's one thing, my seven zis, but it's also another, seven zis. Because when you use it, many people have lost their edges at the altar of success. I want to move seven, like seven Z. To a point where you forget that you, you still need this edge. You need to sharpen it constantly because the more you use it, the more you use it, the more you use it, the more you use your gift. And here's the trick about it, Barcelona. The more you use your gift, there is a season that you are going to experience where it's almost like you are thriving. It's almost like there's that growth that is happening. And all of a sudden, you, you are, you, everybody pays attention. You are using your, your abilities for the first time. There's room for you. But at some point, that room is going to get used to you. And many of us, we fall into a trap of thinking that how my ex was sharp when I came is going to sustain me forever. And, and that's why, therefore, the, when I discover what is it that when I do, and I do it best, it produces results. When I discover this is where I need to be more careful. Many people in their careers... In their, they were not destroyed by the lack of talent. They were destroyed by the very same talent. How many soccer players do you know when they came in? They, they were the thing. We were all talking about them. They were like, wow. <laughs> Yay. It's like, hey, Usman Ban. And, and, and when you look at them, when they, when they play this thing, it's natural. It's, there. it's like they don't struggle. It's like, and then all of a sudden, they think because they are gifted like that, there's no need for them to train. There's no need for them to be disciplined. Then they start drinking. They start missing practice. And slowly, the edge gets taller and taller by the day. Then all of a sudden, strength must kick in. Now, because of their name. <laughs> but massive parasa he kinda my inside. We are we are kitchen woman that kitchen up and down. Ma umono good. Hey Hutamanda. Why? It's because now, and this is what separates you. You ask yourself, why would a person like Lionel Messi, for an example, will still see a need? To even have a pitch in his house. In other words, what does he say? He, he says, the training I'm receiving, Mang Sem is not enough. 
I am going to make more time. Why? I've got to make sure that my game is always cutting edge. So the more you use it, <laughs> and, and, the, and the problem is you don't notice, you are going to be the last one to find out that it is now dull. Maria Kataza, the very same thing. I'm stressing you, ne? It's okay. That's a good thing. The very same thing that God is giving. It's like... You are called, according to you came, you said, you wanted to serve to play piano. And you started and you were enjoying this thing. But all of a sudden, say, it's not that God has changed his mind. The edge is dull. Now you are using strength. It takes a lot. It's not that you, you, you are no longer, the gift is still there, Amen. but it's dull. Amen. Somebody once said your vocation must be your vacation. <laughs> okay, so it's all I'm going to I'm five. So the more you use that X, the duller it becomes. And if you mishandle it, you will lose it. And this is the reason why then we have to discern times and seasons where you need to resharpen your edge or even regain it when you've lost it. You see, Samson was the last one to find out that he has lost his edge. He thought it was still there. You see, Samson, God gave him the edge. Like, this guy like used to kill lions. If you think David was the guy, I mean, Samson came, rip it apart, take the jaw of the donkey, kill thousands of people, just like that. If they say to him, yeah, he was activated by the word Philistine, you see, once they say Philistines are here, anything that is closer to him is just going to eat one man. And he forgot that God gave him an edge that he must maintain by not cutting his hair, by not drinking wine, by not touching anything dead. And one day, this woman says, tell me the key to your sharp edge. To cut the long story short, he loses the hair that was maintaining the edge. Then this very same woman says, Samson, the Philistines are here. He thinks the edge is still there. When he attempted to break the ropes, the thing was gone. The thing was gone. He wanted to now use more strength. And unfortunately, at that point, it was not even enough to break the ropes. So here's my advice. Don't lose your edge. Protect your edge with everything 
you have. Protect it with everything you have. I'm going to close in just a moment. The church, Barcelona, that has lost its urge in the book of Revelation. And in that, in that regard, the Bible says it, it, it lost its first love. Was told to return and do their first works. So in, in our lives, there are things that God always suggests from his word that we must do. And the Bible calls them the first works. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, but Lord, what, 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 what are those first works? And God takes me back to the book of Acts chapter number two, when the church was started. It's just that sometimes we want to be fancy, you know, as the body of Christ. We want to complicate this thing, and this thing is very simple. First works, Acts chapter number 2, from verse 42. And they, listen, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. So in other words, prayer, word of God from where we get the principles, devotion, commitment, those are the key things that God gives to us to say, if you do these first works, you are going to remain sharp. <laughs> you know, here's, here's the trickiest part about, let me talk about me, my calling. I'm a preacher, right? In my computer, or in this thing called the iPad. I have notes for days, for years. If I were to stop preparing a message and just go back to my notes every Sunday, I, I have enough content probably until the end of my calling here in this thing. Right? I have like every sermon I've ever preached in life is in here. Every every sermon. Before we even presented, every sermon is here. But the most trickiest thing is I always have to pray. To ask God, what do I say? This Sunday. I can choose not to do it. And I can still come and, pray and preach on Sunday. Because there's enough content. But I still have to wake up and pray. Amen. And here's the thing. God once dealt with me. Where I was also fascinated by the gift. And ignored the first works. And God, one day I was excited waking up to pray to come and preach. And God, God you know, when, when I say and God said, don't think maybe I, I had a voice where God said like, Jacob. It's, it's, it's when just God lays something in your heart and you just sense it so strong that, yay. And, and I just had that sense that, not why not so tender as a message pen? When are you just going to pray because we are a Christian? Amen. Not because we are a pastor that is supposed to preach on Sunday. Yes. 
Because the edge can get dull because I've ignored the first works. And how many of us, the only time we pray, it is when you are going to come and sing. Only when you are supposed to come and be Mabati, Usoba program director Sunday. Oh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, be with me. But Jay, when are you going to pray? Just because you are a Christian. You are praying because you are a Christian. You are praying because you are doing the first works. The thing that you are expected. Because many of us, once we are gifted, we feel like we are exempted from the first works. And there are many who are even gifted and they do have the sharp edge to a point where it's not even about the first works. It thoroughly depends on the gift. And forgets that somebody needs to sharpen it. But let's, as I close, what is it? What is it? What are the possible things that I have identified that can take away your edge or your sharp edge? Are you ready? Lape mover, but I'm selling six minutes, so it's not enough to stress you further, you know? But I'll try my level best. Number one, unhealthy familiarity. What is familiarity? It is relaxed friendliness. In, in, inappropriate <laughs> informality, you know, inappropriate informality. Uh, I'm not sure, as we are seated here, have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you, you grew up and you, you loved your parents and you had a good relationship with them and as you grow, they get friendly and one day they sort of remind you your place? It's like my mom would say to me, because I was now familiar with her, like, be saying, oh, auntie, shame, she's nice. You know, and I remember one day, because of how nice, and then for some reason, I decided to call her by name. And she was like, mm. I was like, but I thought we You know, when I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And then we forget that he is our God. He is our father. He is our creator and maker. We forget that he still expects us to keep his commandments. And many of us, we are in that mode where we have now become so familiar with God. So familiar with God. And it, it is often said that familiarity breeds contempt. It's easy to walk in dishonor once you become familiar with the things, too familiar with the things that you are supposed to hold in high esteem. And the first one, the first one that sometimes we become too familiar with and we end up losing our edge is the word of God. It's a simple thing that I'm giving to you. The word of God. Amen. The word of God. Word of God. You see, the word of God to us as Christians, as Christians, is supposed to be, the Bible calls it the oracles of God. This is God talking to us. But to some certain degree, 
To many of us, the Bible becomes an information book. The go-to book if I want a verse to impress somebody. We are no longer use it as a, as a manual for instruction. And we, we get to a point where we become too familiar with it, which is the word of God. The, remember, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's supposed to sharpen us. It's supposed to be like iron sharpens iron. Each time we read the word. Each time we read the word. Each time we read the Bible. Each time we, we listen to a message. Each time we interact with the word of God in the form of a sermon, in the form of, of the Bible, in the form of the book. It is supposed to be something that is sharpening us. But as soon as we become too familiar with it, especially when you start knowing it, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Abeko abantu bazalane engbazio elaifini aba arrogant jengabantu abazama verse. It's almost like everything you can quote. It's like, have you ever heard umzalane asenkingen? Utum quoteli verse. I know, I know all of that. You know, at this moment, I don't need the like. What have we become? What else do you need? The Bible says in the book of John chapter number one, everything that you need in life is in the word. Everything that you need in life. Somebody comes, they, they have a problem in marriage. They come to us seeking for, we are pastors, number one. We, we are pastors. Like this is church, we are pastors, they are coming. And when we are giving them Bible solutions, no, they want something deeper than that. It's like, no, I've got all that. This is where we have now become too familiar with the word. It is now ineffective. It's no longer operating. It's no longer working in us. Remember the Bible says it is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing down. It says it needs to penetrate, separate the flesh from the spirit. Even to the point of discerning the intents of our hearts. And, and in most cases, when we are in conflict in life, at work, in marriage, it is because there are certain things in our hearts that needs to be corrected. And only the word has the power to penetrate the heart. And now we all of a sudden know, ah, oh, you know, uh, uh, no, you know, what else do you need? You are a Christian. You are a Christian. The word of God. The word of God. The Bible says even God himself, he puts everything in its place through the power, the word of his power. In other words, for God to release his power, he speaks a word. So now we want, I'm a quotation of Mahatma Gandhi. Mandela. You know, it must sound fancy. It must sound, but as soon as I say the Bible says, ah, you know, give me something else. What does it mean? It means the very same thing that is supposed to sharpen our edge is no longer effective in our lives. We have lost honor for it. We have lost honor for it. Do you know, Bazalan, and I know this is now the religious side of it, but do you know that the Jewish people honors the scriptures to a point that when they drop the scriptures, the scrolls, the Bible, when they drop it by mistake, they will kneel down, pick it up, they will wipe it as they pray in repentance, kiss it, 
Because this is something that they value and honor in their hearts. And I'm not saying do that in a religious way, but, but I'm, talk, I'm emphasizing the point of honoring the scrolls. Many of us, you know, somebody once made a, 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 an example. You know the scripture that says, God will never leave us and nor forsake us. And this guy made an example. He says, how many of us have Bibles in our homes, right? And probably all of us, will, it's even worse now, we have them in our phones. And he said, we are the ones who live and forsake God. Because God is always with us through his word. Right in your phone. There are millions of solutions to any kind of problem that we might be faced with now. But the thing is, we want something better than that. I mean, what, what, what else do we want God to do or to say? And number two... <laughs> Not, well, the second of what we must not be familiar with. The God-ordained leaders that God gives to us. And this one is a bit tricky. Because even God himself, you know, I always ask myself, how did it happen that Judas sold out on Jesus? Like, I mean, you every day, you you saw him multiply the bread. You, you saw him heal the sick, casting out demons. I mean, you've seen it all. How does it happen that you will stand up, decide that, you know what, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to receive money and just sell out on this guy. Familiarity. He just got to you because Jesus was hungry in front of him. When he was tired, he told them, now I'm tired, I want to go and sleep. Yeah. I was sleeping in the boat, so probably Judas was like, And probably, well, the Bible does not give us those details. So probably when Jesus wanted to use the bathroom, you know, he used to like, and he used to go there, and they were like, Then they became too familiar. They became too familiar with him, right? And, and here's the example I already... And, and Bazalan, please, money is one issue this final is. I'm not... It's like, you know, it's, well, it's up to you. How do you receive it? The Bible says... This was Jesus speaking. He was addressing now the issue of... Remember, the Bible says there were places where Jesus... All powerful, by the way. 100% man, 100% God. But there were places where, when he went, he couldn't heal anyone. Not because he did not have the power to do so but because of how familiar they were with him. You know, and then he says these words. There's a prophet. Um, <laughs> it's not without honor except in his own hometown. Amen. Then he says, he who receives the righteous man in the name of the righteous man shall receive the righteous man's reward. That's what Jesus says. Amen. Then he says, but he who receives the prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive the prophet's reward. And here's what that scripture means to me. It means I, I, I know very senior leaders around my life, people with mentals upon their lives, like powerful. And, and one of them, let me make an example, and because I'm, I'm referring to him because he's a bit younger and he's cool. He's quite cool. Yeah, younger compared to the other bishops. I like one day is looking at me funny. You know, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's maybe 50, 50, so it means he's maybe six years older than me. And he's very cool, very cool. So, but here's the thing. In him, there is the righteous man, Chris Matebul. And the Bible says, if I receive him as Chris Matebula, I will receive what Chris Matebula can do. That is a righteous man. We are righteous people. But not all of us are prophets. Not all of us are apostles. Not all of us are pastors. Not all of us are teachers. Right? So if I receive him like that, I can only receive a reward of Chris Matebula. What Chris Matebula can do. Are we together? Amen. So he used to introduce me when, when I come to visit his church and he used to say, hey, this, this is my friend, Jacob Pastors," And I, I would be like, whoa, <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to see you like that. I don't want to be too familiar Amen. because there's something on you that is greater than the one that is on me. And I need to receive you in the name of that mantle that is on you so that I will not just tap into what Chris Matebula can do, but I can also tap into what Pastor Chris Matebula can do. Because I don't want to get too familiar with the rank. Because when it's time for me to look for prayer uh, or whatever, counsel, I need to tap into the Pastor Chris Matebula. Because the Chris Matebula is just a natural righteous man just like I am. Just like how you are. In other words, I can, are you not righteous? You are righteous. You have the righteousness of God. That's what we say. So in other words, I can go to anyone. But what is it that makes me that when I have marital challenges, for an example, I will choose to go to him and not to you. It's because of what he carries on top of him. Now, the reason why I don't want him to refer to me as my friend, because I don't want to see him as my friend. It is because I, I recognize what he carries. That's why under no circumstances, the church today is so nice and, and whatever, you know, we are so nice. You know, we are calling each other on first name basis, not for me. In terms of now, Baruti, I will never, I will never call, especially senior pastors, I'll never call them by name. Never. I don't mind anyone calling me by name. I don't mind that. Really, it's like, don't, don't hear me. Any other, I don't mind. You can call me whatever that you want to, but me, as for me, a pastor is a pastor. A pastor, to me, a pastor is a pastor. I have friends, friends, uh, Pastor George, I'm sure you know him, who comes and, and, and talks here at church. He's a very good friend of mine. He's a, I don't call him by name. He's my friend. Friend, Leonardo is West, he's my friend. I don't call him by, by name. When he calls, either I will say my friend or Pastor George. But why? I don't want to become too familiar. Because yeah. one day, I will need the mantle to be at work. Amen. I don't want him when he stands here and I've invited him. Anyone that I will address by, you know, I see him as, as a friend to a point of, ah, the, uh, uh, that person will never stand here and preach. Because it might be difficult for me to receive. Because when he's standing here, he's not a righteous man, so and so. But he's pastor, so and so. So familiarity kills us in the church. And, and especially because we want to be now more modern. Yeah. 
<laughs> we become too familiar. That's why then our, you see, even a church, we can serve and do whatever. And then the, the leaders that God put over us to lead us, we, be, we get to a point where when we, we start, we honor them, whatever they say, we listen. But we get to a point where we become too familiar. And the leadership role that they are playing is aimed at sharpening your edge. So that you don't, it's like everyone, every one of us, it doesn't matter who you are, you need a person who will tell you what to do and what not to do. You need a voice that can reprimand you. And that is how you get sharpened. If you are surrounded by people who can never correct you on anything, you'll wake up one day with a dull edge, no matter how great it is. So, if you are part of Builder's Worship, you take offense when they tell you you've arrived late. You are missing out on an opportunity to sharpen your edge. Because you need that discipline. <laughs> that is your sharp edge. The discipline of arriving on time. That, that will one day at work set you apart from the rest of the people who are employed there. They will not say you are good in computers. They will just say this person is always punctual. And that's a quality that is needed. And what did you get it by just somebody at church who is always irritating me, telling me I must always be on time? Man. But once you get too familiar, you no longer receive correction. Anyone who is either at your level or below you, you will not receive from them. That's why the Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater. So sometimes you choose to look at people as greater than you. Yeah. Intentionally so. Just decide. As far as I'm concerned, you are greater than me. And that's the only way you can receive from them because the Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater. Even God himself. Even God himself. As long as Usambona like your friend. It's going to be difficult to receive from you. As long as you are sharing the throne. It's like you can tell him what to do. You see how many, many of us when we pray, our session is all about telling God what to do. We don't want to hear from him. We don't want to honor his word. Um, let me, number two, human tradition. I'm not going to waste time on that. Human tradition, sometimes getting used to things. Jesus says our traditions are making the word of God to be non-effective in our lives. Number three, ignorant hearts. When we choose just to be ignorant, we refuse to, to, to listen to the word of God, whatever it is that God says. Number four, stony hearts. When we harden our hearts, you know the right thing to do, but you choose to harden your heart. And number five, stony hearts. This is when Jesus says, the seed falls amongst the thorns, right? <laughs> and he says, it is when the persecutions arises. And comes and chokes the word in us. There's a point in your life as a Christian. You need to be resolute in following God. Whether or not it's comfortable to you. Amen. Let me tell you. You see God once dealt with me. I was going through a tough time in my life. And 
and, and the Lord lays a, a theme on faith to come and preach about faith here at church. And I was like, Lord, I'm in no position to preach this. I mean, I'm, I need faith too. And God says, Jacob, faith is not faith because it's working with you. Like my principles are not dependent on you. It does not mean if you got sick and um, I did not heal you, it does not mean I don't heal. So stop making it about yourself. So in other words, if I don't feel like I'm walking in the fullness of the blessing at the moment, does that mean I must not preach about the God who blesses? He still blesses. Even though I don't feel like. But how many of us, our walk with God depends on his dealings. Like if, if I didn't receive any promotion this year, I'll be like, ah, no, but is the year of promotion and I did not receive any promotion. That does not mean promote. So there's a level where we need to get where we are going to just follow God. Amen. Whether or not you are in season or out of season. Amen. Whether or not you are in sorrow, whether or not you are in pain, but God remains God. Because he's not changed by our circumstances. God does not change on the basis of what you are going through in your life. He, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same God who heals, who delivers. The fact that you are struggling with some of the things in your life, I'm struggling with some of the things in my life, does not mean God has ceased to operate like that. Amen. So let's make sure that we don't lose our edge or we don't end up with a dull edge in our hands simply because we are allowing these things in our lives there's a there's a place where i'm talking about you know the the hardened hearts where we come to church we hear god speaking to us we're like ah lord i hear you but i hear you but and we choose to look the other way. But we all need to walk out of this place with an intention to regain our edge. Number one, recognize that you are not the source. It is not yours. When that young man lost the ex, the first thing he says is, it is borrowed. So when you are in a season where know that that is a borrowed edge. You are not the source. You, you might be the best in that season, but you are not the source. This thing still needs to be maintained. It does not exclusively belong to you. Number two, remember where you have fallen. What did the prophet, when this man said, the axe is gone, it was borrowed. What did the prophet do? He did not say, let me jump in and get it for you. He said to him, where did it fall? And all of us, as we are seated here, we know. Each one of us, you know. What are the things that you used to do that maintained your axe? And what, what, what are the some of those things that you are no longer doing? Many of us, we know we are no longer praying the way that you're supposed to pray. Many of us, you know. At some point, you were a generous person. You were giving, but you are no longer giving the way that you are giving. And now we act surprised. Why? 
Is it harder in certain areas of our lives? We act surprised as if we don't know. Remember where you have fallen. That's what the Bible says. What is it that you are no longer doing? Are you still praying? Are you still as committed? Are you still as devoted as a child of God? Or now you are at a level where you are so senior in your Christian walk that you dictate what is it that God can and cannot get from you. There are certain now sessions that are too low for you. <laughs> certain duties that are too low for you. Many of us, it's like Samson as I was talking about him. Simple thing, don't cut your hair. Simple thing. Don't, other people were cutting their hair. But God says to him, don't cut your hair. And Solomon took it for, I mean Samson, took it for granted. Cut his hair, what happened? Lost the edge. As to some of us, there are certain things that are close to God's heart for you as a person. And God will come to you and say, serve. That's where your edge is. Because all of us, there are different keys to our anointing, different keys to our blessing. And when God gives you your one, don't say, I'm not we are So shooting. So remember where you have fallen. All of us as we are seated here, just allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint it and say, you see, you used to be like this and you are no longer. Number three, reclaim your edge. Reclaim it. Take it back. No one is going to do it for you. Pick it up yourself. The prophet, all that he did was to throw in the stick and he caused the axe to float. That's all that he did. And then he said, take it. To our responsibility is just to preach like this. At the end of the day, you are the one who is supposed to get back to your position. Do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Reclaim your edge. Take it back. You know what are the things that... I mean, all of us at some point, you, you know there was a season where you just flowed as a Christian. You were like hot knife through butter. But at some point, Saba woke. Saba, my clever blacks. So reclaim it, take it back. And lastly, reconnect with the right people. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Some of us, the reason why we have grown dull is because of the wrong people. Instead of sharpening our edges, they are making them dull. Check the company you keep. How many people that are around you, the first five people, that when you spend time with them, you are more sharper. Have you ever sat with somebody and you felt more intelligent after having a conversation with them. You were like, wow. I was talking to another um, pastor over the phone. I was going through, you know, some challenges with their church. And so and then I gave him, um, you know, counsel because for us, it's something that we've gone through already. So based on that experience, I share with him a few thoughts. And he says this to me. He says, wow. For this, you've just saved my life. And he says this. I even forgot that I am a lawyer. So can you imagine I was giving him advice on legal issues. 
and he's a qualified lawyer. And he said, you know, you don't lend him to you, file him to you. In fact, I would file him to you. It's just that because of the season that I'm in, you need people like that in your life who will bring out the best in you. Friends who are going to sharpen you. Friends who are going to question your integrity if they have to. A friend who will see you women and dumbas are going to be able to get a little bit of 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 a you just need such friends. I still pray. Are you I still sensing the presence of God in your life? We all need some as the iron sharpens iron. Find some find a good friend that is going to keep you sharp at all times. Good friend, good people, good Christians, even a church. Don't befriend people who are lukewarm. About really politics in Each time you meet they always talk about something. They are just going to cost you your sharp edge. They are going to make it dull. So watch out. Maubon will say, Lord, it's not good for me. Just greet them, hug them, and pass by. And find that one believer. Find that one builder that you know. That when I'm discouraged, Lord, I'm going to say, Hey, and then I'm here. Hey, hey. All of us here go ish. Yes, yes, yes. The yes, the one biggest lesson I've learned as a preacher, as a pastor, as a preacher, is that no matter how I feel, as soon as I have this assignment to come and preach, I need to set aside my feelings. My emotion. It doesn't matter what is it that I'm going through. God is expecting me to be a faithful vessel, pure. And just preach to you, be encouraged and go back home, still deal with whatever challenge that I'm still faced with. It's not about me. It's not about me. Two, when somebody is discouraged and they come, I can have an appointment with somebody who is discouraged and told me I'm discouraged. But as soon as they sit before me and tell me their situation, I forget about my discouragement. I encourage them. And in most cases, I find that the more I encourage them, the more I get encouraged. But many of us, we are busy causing others to backslide. Because when they come and they talk about their issues, you make it worse and say, Hey, I'm very right. But God sent this person to you. God sent this person to you so that he trusts you that there's something that you are going to say that is going to encourage. Can you imagine if Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane he's going through sorrow. He's going to die. The Bible says he was greatly distressed. Sweating blood. Yet he comes, he tells the disciples, let's pray. He was the last person to pray at that point. He tells the others, 
You are sleeping, guys. Let's pray. I mean, at that point, Jesus has had every right to be angry at God. He just told him, you are going to die. And he prayed, asked him, God said, no, but you're still going to die. But the last person, he was supposed to be at that point to say, you know, God, I'm done with you. I'm not talking to you for the next three weeks. So, but not after resurrection. But he comes, he says to this, let's pray. Let's pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Let's pray. He encourages them. Pray. That it's not, at that point, it's not about me. I'm looking after you guys because I'm going to die. I don't want to leave you discouraged. Tell us them. John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's not that it was nice. Which is, the Bible says he was greatly distressed. Yet he tells them, I'm about to go. He knew how he's going to go. But yet he tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to bring you another comforter. He's busy encouraging them. And they are freaking out. At that point, they don't even know how he's going to die. How he's going to leave them. They don't even know. But he knows. He's away. But he's encouraging them. So let's not make it up. But God must not be reduced to our little situations and circumstances. God is not God because you are prosperous. <laughs> God does not have to, He owes us nothing. It does not have to lift a finger to be God. It does not have to. It does not have to. He does not have to. He does not have to. Even if Kungatiwa Unkulunkulu decides, I'm not going to do anything for you anymore until Jesus returns. He is still God. Many of us, we, we make God to be performance-based. We only are excited about God when He has given us a new job, a breakthrough, a healing. Then we are like on fire. It's like our God has become these tangible things. He's no longer the main guy who gives us. It's now the blessings are the ones that become our God. That's why when they are slowing down even our devotion and commitment to God is dwindling let's stand on our feet thank you once again for listening to the message today we trust that you were blessed by it please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week thank you very much and keep on building